For almost a hundred years, in big cities with a hundred skyscrapers and tiny towns with one stoplight, on college campuses and Native American reservations, and churches too many to count, hundreds of thousands of men and women and boys and girls have made hundreds of thousands of life-changing decisions. Almost none of them knew her name. And yet, she was there. Annie Armstrong lived more than a hundred years ago. Only this one picture of her survives. History could have easily forgotten her. But Annie Armstrong is worth remembering. In the late 1800s, when most women had no voice, Annie was one of the first to speak up. First, for the urban poor in her hometown of Baltimore. And then, for Southern Baptist missionaries around the world who desperately needed support. It was for these people that she helped start the National Women's Missionary Union. As its first executive leader, she gave women a platform in their local church and in ways that they'd never done before. These women helped focus Southern Baptist attention on the hurting and the lost and the missionaries trying to reach them. Annie wrote letters, 18,000 in just one year. And she traveled across America, encouraging missionaries and inspiring churches to pray, to give, and to act. She worked long hours, paid her own expenses, and refused to accept a salary. And in the darkest days of the Depression, right before she died, an offering was named after her. Today, the Annie Armstrong Easter Offering helps missionaries in the U.S. and Canada start new churches and meet needs through Compassion Ministries. Over the years, Southern Baptists have given more than $1 billion to that offering, and 100% of it, every penny, has gone straight to the mission field. There's still work left to do. The need is bigger than ever, and that's why even though she lived more than a century ago, and even though only one picture of her survives, Annie Armstrong's influence lives on. Because today in North America, just as it's been from the beginning, anywhere a missionary is sent, every time a new church is born, anytime someone gives to her offering so that a lost person might be found, Annie is there. Thank you. 
the, uh, the, the Grudger team in WF and the, the Dutch Hawk afterwards. Winner in Norway, uh, tickets are available this is from, for April the 26th to the 28th. The deadline is March the 5th, so that's just uh, two days away. So if you're interested in seeing him, Hawk in a minion, that's from Team Falcon. Or if you really want on that trip, then come and see her. Donations until April because we are out of room uh, in 
the the expansion of the church. Uh, there's just a little bit of room in there, so if you've got a couple of bottle bags and to bring them today, that that'll be great. That uh, if you can hold on to it in the back of the room, you'll run out of room to to pull the the items here. Uh, and one last thing, they are accepting that starts next Sunday. Woo! Uh, we have more Sundays. So make sure to set your clocks forward one hour next week before you go to bed next Saturday. That's right. Right. Okay. I always get confused. One, three, four, we call them back. All right. Uh, all right. I think that is all the announcements that I have. Did I miss anything? Did I miss anything? All right. All right. So if I can have our ushers come forward. Jesus for the cleansing power. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace as now? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood? In the soul cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments white as snow?
So we're looking at each gospel from 30,000 feet. We're not doing uh, the details of a verse by verse or even a chapter by chapter, but we're taking the, the view from above and getting a, a sense of what God is saying in all four of these gospels. They're like a beautiful kaleidoscope, but every turn is a picture of the greater view. I want to encourage you to uh, if you'd like part of this in our study, if you can come. But here's what I'd, I'd like to give you some confidence. <laughs> uh, if you'll read 12 to 15 minutes, it's today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, you'll read the gospel of Mark in the beginning. And it's 16 short, short chapters. Uh, they're moving quickly. So let me encourage you to read the gospel of Mark. Four chapters a day for some The message today is entitled The Gospel in Seven Words. And I've already had someone ask me, what are the seven words of the gospel? And I'm going to share them with you. Hold your Bible loosely and your fingers nimble. We're going to look at three brief sections of scripture this morning. The first one is Psalm 51. This is a psalm that I memorized about 50 years ago because it is such an incredible prayer of confession. And I found the words of Psalm 51 to, to be a beautiful way to express my own heart's desire. Uh, and when I blow it, it's a great psalm to use in confession. David is confessing his sin here. And I want to pick up two verses out of that magnificent psalm 
verse 2 and verse 7. And here's what they said. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. You see those first two words? If you're a Bible marker, underline them or circle them. Wash me. Would you say those two words with me? Wash me. And I go down to verse 7. He says, Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. There again. Wash me. That's the first two words of the seven words of the gospel. And Brian, I noticed your selection of hymns. You did do good today, brother. Uh, the hymn carries that word, wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Now, jump on over to the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. In Psalm 51, David is talking to God. In Isaiah chapter 1, God is talking to his people. And he says, Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. That's verse 13. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and the solemn assembly. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. So, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not answer. Your hands are covered with blood. Wash yourself. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight and cease. To do there are two words in that last verse, 16. I would encourage you to underline this circle. Wash yourselves. David cries out the first two words. Lord, wash me. The Lord cries out to his people in Isaiah 1, wash yourselves. And then we come to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Jesus is coming to the end of his life. In just a few hours, he will be taken out and crucified. And he says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right. For so I am. If I then, the Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. The third verse, or the third text I read, gives us the final three words of the gospel. Wash one another. Wash me, said David. 
Wash yourself. Those seven words encompass the full orb of salvation. Wash me addresses the issue of our inability. It addresses something we cannot do for ourselves, and that is we cannot save ourselves. Wash me is a prayer for salvation. And then the Lord says, once we pray that prayer, watch me, then he gives us the resources whereby the Lord says to us, now, wash yourself. And then, once we begin that process of sanctification, it's not just about us, so he says, now you can begin the process Watch yourself. Salvation, watch me. Sanctification, watch yourself. Service, watch one another. Now let's unpackage that quickly. In Psalm 51, the context there is David's sin with Bathsheba. He has blown it royally. He's not only committed adultery with one of his best friend's wife, but he has arranged the murder of one of his chief soldiers, Uriah. Now, David is living in the aftermath of that sin. He is feeling the weight and the guilty conscience of what he's done. He bathes in the finest marble tubs that can be bought. He uses the most expensive soaps that can be purchased anywhere in the world. He scrubs with the most exotic scrubbers, whatever you call them, that you can get. He gets out of the tub, puts on the finest silk robe that money can buy. Because all he's able to touch is the There is a dirty heart inside of him that he can't reach with soap, that he can't reach with sponges, that silk robes cannot cover up. He cries out from the depth of his soul, Oh God, wash me. I can't wash myself, Lord. What he said, not by works of righteousnesses which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. I remember 
my dad was a sharecropper, and in the summer I would have to work to kind of make buy my school clothes and that kind of thing. And I worked on the farm, and my job, I did whatever needed to be done, uh, unskilled labor, you know, back then. And part of my job was riding the back of the planter while they were planting the seed. Now, that was back before the days of masks, and they didn't think about that sort of thing back then, not even goggles. And I, at the end of the day, after riding behind that planter, I would look like an alien from outer space. I'd have about an inch of dust all over me. Now, when I got home, the first thing I wanted to do was jump in the bathtub. I felt so and so needful. And you know, David is thinking of this. He feels so dirty that he can't reach that spot inside that needs to be cleaned. Hey, have you ever, have you ever needed a bath and you couldn't get yourself A number of years ago, back about 20 years ago, I'm a cancer survivor. Wait for it, 20 years ago, getting cancer. They removed my heart surgery. I was in the hospital. I'm pastor in Florida at that time, and I'd come to Memphis to preach. And I got sick while I was in Memphis in the hospital, diagnosed with cancer, long story short, had surgery. Well, I knew almost every nurse in Baptist Hospital. I pastored in Memphis area for years, and so all these little nurses would come bopping in my room, you know, they say, hey, Brother Tommy, hey, Brother Tommy. And, and so after surgery, about two days, I started needing a bath. And I started thinking, you know what? One of these little nurses is just no more than I used to be with her. She's got to come bopping in and say, Brother Tommy, it's time for your bath. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that just scared me. You know, I, I grew up yeah, I, I kind of timid and modest anyway, you know, by spirit. And I could just picture that, you know. Some little nurse coming in here saying, Pastor, it's time for your bath. And that just I got to the point of desperation. I got to the point where I know I didn't smell good, and I'm sure I didn't look good. And I got to the point where I said, Listen, I need a bath. And I don't care who comes in here and who gives me a bath. Have at it, you know. But I have to get to a point of desperation. You know, I got to a point of desperation. And I was sick of being sick. I would drive by a Reformed Baptist church on Saturday night. Thank you. 
yourself. Your mantra. That's your responsibility. I've given you the Holy Spirit. Watch me. Watch yourself. You know, when we first get saved, one of the first verses we memorize is first John 1. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But can I can I suggest to you that's a great verse actually saying, but it's not the greatest verse. The greatest verses are Romans six. Where God says that He gives us the power not to sin in the first place. Now, we all sin, but we can't blame God for that. He gives us the power to live a victorious Christian life. He said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So, you see, the best thing is preventing not coming at the end after the sin. Now, I'm so thankful for First John 1 9. That's what Chuck Swindoll calls God's people bottom fear and soul. We we use first John all the time. But but God wants us to live a life of victory. He wants to help you and me to be in those things that get us under his addiction and propensities to sin. He says, I will help you, but you've got to be proactive. Watch me and ability. Watch yourself as I do. Watch one another in proximity. You see, God's calling every one of us to serve in some way. God gives. Every Christian in this building today, when you were saved, God gifted you. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14. You'll find in those three chapters somewhere where you fit in. God has given every Christian at least one gift of life. Now, why? So that they can serve the body. They're frustrated because they're trying to be somebody else or do something else other than what God created them to do. Now, this passage just reminds us Jesus said, We are to watch 
The disciples are so busy talking about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom, they don't even take notice of the fact that there's no one there to watch them. So Jesus takes off his outer coat, picks up a basin, and begins to wash the feet of the disciples. When he gets to Simon Peter, he withdraws and says, Lord, you won't wash my feet. Jesus said to him something very interesting. He said, Peter, you don't need a coat of armor. Here's the thing to clarify. Peter, you've already prayed to wash me. You don't need a coat of armor. All you need is to have your feet. When you pick up dirt and dust and rock and some other things we're going to talk about, <laughs> in route, as they were walking the streets of Jerusalem. And so, washing feet was a necessity. But it was also a spiritual picture of how the body daily changes Fellowship is stained. Why? Is you know, there's two phases to the resurrection. This is a picture of two things. Number one, it's a picture of humbly serving. It's a picture of the Christian life. I'm going to unpack it now for just a moment. It's a picture of humble service. Isn't it funny? Jesus, who left heaven, came to become a man, stooped to become a servant, and washed the feet of the disciples. Our pastor, the first Baptist Church, had a place where they had. Just a calendar plan, what to do this week. You know, I mean, we're just going through the routine. Everybody didn't wait to get out, you know. Thank you. 
This world, you walk through it, you pick up, you see things, you hear things, you just get tired. You know, you know. I was a pastor of a church of 80 years ago in the middle of the First week I was there, if the lady in that church said, I can tell a lot of the bad today, I want you to do it. Just give me, you know, I'm not judging. Give me a little time. Weeks went by, months went by. Didn't get the same. Tried to meet with her. Finally, we were meeting with her. 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 I have a secret to tell you. 
the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord help us to step aside and step out and follow our Jesus and watch the Lord in the Lord, I pray that you can give you a reason for the That way, you can be found in the Bible of the Lord Jesus. We pray and thank you for all the good that you have done. Let's pray together. God, we're going to pray.